Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes of veteran mental health. I'm your host, Dwayne France. Let's get ready to make sure that your headspace and timing is set correctly. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Headspace and Timing. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for checking us out. As many of you who serve know, the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal, is one of the greatest weapons in the military's arsenal. The weapon's headspace and timing isn't set right, however, it's just a huge chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing is not set correctly either. That's my mission here, to raise awareness about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week we'll talk about different aspects of veteran mental health and interview mental health professionals that are working with veterans, service members, and their families around the country. Hey folks, welcome back to the Headspace and Timing podcast. Uh, once again, and as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, check us out uh, to learn a little bit more about veteran mental health and, and really to change the way that you think about veteran mental health. Uh, what we're trying to do is, uh, is, is make mental health, veteran mental health, uh, as common as talking about the weather. And uh, I've got a lot of great feedback so far from the series that we just completed uh, and from the shows overall. And, uh, and it's really great to be having this discussion. And so uh, when I was looking forward to the, the first show of 2018, uh, I really wanted to bring on, um, again, one of, the, uh, one of the, the co-hosts to the flagship show, the Changer POV Podcast Network, Bennett Tanton, because uh, Bennett has some, uh, some background in this space, in the veteran mental health space, and uh, Bennett and I have had uh, quite a few conversations uh, about this, um, and uh, in one aspect of veteran mental health that I haven't talked about on the show so far is is the peer-to-peer aspect and the need for for peer support in veteran mental health. You know, we kind of alluded it alluded to it uh, back when we talked to David Smith in the the veteran mental health boot camp, uh, talking about how veterans need permission from other veterans uh, that it's okay to talk about veteran mental health. It's okay to talk about these things. And uh, one of the reasons why I got involved in the Change Your POV podcast network is that uh, Bennett and Eddie did not shy away from these topics. Um, they actually kind of met them head on. And, uh, and it's why I wanted to come on board, and, and, uh, and they gave me a platform then to take it a little bit farther. So um, sort of little, before we get started, Bennett, welcome to the show again. Ah, thanks, Dwayne. Eddie's going to get jealous. I think he's keeping score. Uh, like he's not. How many... No, he says no. he is a little bit. He says he's, uh, he's a liar. Yeah, he uh, 
and and I, I need to get Andrew on the show and, and Kevin on the show, but uh, you know Jeff's been on a couple times. But but it's great to have you back on the show, uh, really talking about peer support. Um, and I don't know that uh, in in as we're well over hundreds of episodes now, and of course I haven't had the time to go through all of them. I don't know if you've ever talked about your journey towards getting involved in the mental health space um, on the show before. Have you done that? Yeah, um, but but I can do it again. It's it's not real long. It's pretty quick. It just gives guys and gals background, you know, um, if you would like me to do that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, I've, I've you know, it's, it's one thing and a lot of people ask me is, you know, how does, uh, uh, you know, I wasn't in mental health in the Army. You weren't in the mental health in either the Marine Corps or the Army. You know, so people want to know, you know, how did you get from where you were at to something that's so totally out um, from what you did in the military? And and we can get into this a little bit later. It is different, and then it's also very similar. But just that journey <coughs> from what you were doing uh, in the service to how you got to working with veteran mental health now, that'd be great. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Marine Corps, Army, uh, combat MOSs and both, you know, I've not, I, I've never deployed to Afghanistan or, or Iraq. Uh, that's one distinction that I always like to make, but I was in, um, special operations in the Marine Corps and we did a lot of, uh, <laughs> super secret squirrel stuff, you know, not, not like crazy, but a lot of drug interdiction missions and stuff like that, uh, where stuff was real. You know, uh, deployed to Bosnia twice, um, and that wasn't always a picnic. But I'm not a combat vet. I mean, I'm a combat vet by definition, but I don't like guys and gals to think that I'm a combat vet like, you know, combat vet. You know what I mean? I never deployed with to Iraq or Afghanistan, but I have deployed elsewhere. Um, And I have been on a two-way range and have the medals to prove it. Yada, yada, yada. You know what I mean? So I, I like to tell people that aspect right up front. Um, but with that, uh, I, you know, mental health to me starting out in the Marine Corps is like, yeah, you've got, you know, I, I needed to looking back now, hindsight being 2020, I needed to go talk to somebody back in the nineties, you know? Uh, and I finally did, um, so that was my first exposure to mental health really my entire life. I was like, ah, this is okay. You know, I can talk to somebody and kind of like, you know, it helps, right? It helps a little bit, but, uh, there were still those issues. Um, and I think most of us know what those issues are, you know, it's just, it's, it's, but it's something that you can't really put your finger on. Right. So then, um, I got out really bad transition, went into the army, uh, thinking that that would help. Uh, and it did, uh, and then I, you know, started mental health stuff there as well, uh, just to deal with issues, you know, and it was, uh, always one of those things that it was very intriguing to me, the, the biology and, and the, the way that, uh, the human mind worked and, and this and that and the other thing. So I had a, I had a deep kind of, man, I want to delve more into this. I just never did 
kind of thing, right? So then I got out in 2003 and was in the contracting security space for about a decade. Uh, and coming to the end of that, I uh, came across some some hard times with work and um, just coping, right? And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me, you know? Uh, and finally, I had a flat-out breakdown in about 2013. Um, and all these things about my service and time in and stuff from after service, uh, like we had talked about in the last episode that we did together, the moral injury part, you know, um, that came into play a lot with me, uh, guilt and, and other things because I got out during a time of war, um, where I was a team leader and left, left those guys behind kind of, that's how I felt, you know what I mean? Because a bunch of guys went over to Afghanistan and died, you know what I mean? So that's shit that I coped with too. Um, could I have changed it? That's not the point. It's the point is, is that's how I felt, right? Um, there was just that gnawing thing. So I had a complete breakdown. Now, mind you, I was in the nuclear industry at this time, had to carry a gun for a living, uh, that was a slap in the face because, you know, I couldn't do my job uh, because I had literally had this giant breakdown. Took a few months off of work, uh, got myself back right. But in those months, all I did was therapy and research and this and that and the other thing. And I'm like, what is the fastest way to get you know, to, to what's the best way to, for a veteran to find help. And I found that it was very difficult, <laughs> easy. You know, you think it's like shooting fish in a barrel, but very frustrating because it is so spread out and you have to literally go talk to 10 different people to get, you know, anything done. I guess one of the things that comes to mind is a, a map with no legend no distinguishing terrain features and a compass that may or that may not work, right. but you're not <laughs> sure how to use it. Right. Yeah? Correct. Like is North really North? <laughs> right. For sure. And that, that's a great analogy. Um, so, and this is a guy I have been out, I've been in the VA system, right? I've been in, um, you know, involved with other organizations as well and still had been out 10 years and I felt like I was right back at zero and I'm like this is fucked like what is going on here like I don't I don't understand uh it was just a mess right so right, it like took me, it shouldn't be this hard right it shouldn't be this hard and it's not even that it's not even that like uh I needed the help per se. I just needed somebody to say, this is what's wrong with you. <laughs> right. And here's the path that we're going to go down now, because it wasn't even that I needed them to hold my hand. I just needed direction because I was like the spinning, whirling dervish of crap. You know, it's like, I like to say about stuff when, when you go into it, it's it basically, I felt like a soup grenade. 
You know what I mean? If you go off, it's just you're splattering everywhere. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, that there's no real like direction. So uh or or like the you know, the old adage in the military, the soup sandwich where everything's falling out all over the place. It's just it's that's that's how I felt. And that was like debilitating for a little while. So I I really once I finally got my feet back under me and then I found, I found a couple of people, uh, to really help me down the path to get right. And, um, and it was time as well. And just kind of like actually being active in my own recovery, I guess you could say. And that's what like peer supports about at the end of the day. But, um, then I was like, once I got out the other side and I saw the light and I walked towards it and popped out, I was like, this has got to change. Like I need to be at least at the very least, I need to be a guide for other veterans to help them along their path. And that's what really led me to peer support because it's like we talk about the mental health space and I look at peers, peers more as a, uh, it's not like a, we're not therapists, we're not um, anything like that, but what we are is guides. We're, so, we're just a friend to walk with to help somebody navigate the system, and um, that's, that's really the base of peer support, and that's what brought me to it is because, you know what, I know how to dig myself out of this hole now. And I can help other people do it. So that's really what it came down to. So, and, and that's one thing that, um, yeah, that's great. Okay. Battle buddy mentality. Um, I'm going to go back and, and show this other person how I navigated this, this, you know, obstacle course. Right. Um, and, and that, you know, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. You know, um, a lot of people think as far as maybe maybe they're halfway through the obstacle course, they haven't completed it themselves, and then they want to turn around and help someone navigate their half of the obstacle course when they really haven't gotten to that popping out yeah, place exactly. in life, right? True, true. And so that's, that's all of this intent. This is great. So you're like, okay, I'm out of the tunnel. I'm on the other side of the ridge. I've made it to the high ground. Um, how can I... First, the desire to support or the desire to lead them out of the pit is one thing, but then you made the choice to, I need to do this in the most effective manner um, and and do it sort of the right way. And so you went on to to actually become a certified peer support specialist, and there's, there's hundreds of programs across the nation that yes. are certifying people to be peer support specialists. But I'd like to hear specifically what kind of training you've received that has made you more more certified than the certified. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, what, yeah. What, yeah. What have you gone through to make? I mean, you 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 want to help lead them out, but you needed to gather tools to be more effective first. So, what right. kind of training have you gone through? So I've I've gone through. Oh God, I I don't. It's I know the first training that I went to. I went in North Carolina. Uh, my wife and I had decided to leave upstate New York and go to North Carolina. So I like jumped in feet first, like all in. You know what I mean? Um, I left my job, 
uh, everything. And I went to training and it was the first training I ever went to was a two week training in person, 80 hours total. And I mean, we went through everything part, part of it is too, is it forces you, the training forces you to really look at yourself hard to see if this is really, if you're ready for this, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of, not all the certifying trainings do that either. Uh, but this one was pretty good. Um, state of North Carolina is, in my opinion, one of the four, on the forefront of all of this, right? Considering that you've got Le- Camp Lejeune there, Fort Bragg there, some of the biggest military installations in the country are there, tons of military retirees. They saw it a that that it was upon themselves to to really engage veterans in peer support as well, not just now. See, this is the other thing. Peer support is not veteran specific by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, where where it's used in the civilian world mainly is with substance abuse and mental health issues, right? Which is is what I, I think that there's another layer of that with the veteran, but I'm not going to get into that yet. Um, so substance abuse and mental health, it's been around for decades. Yeah. Uh, uh, AA, it's just, Bill W. But it's, right? right. It's just you know. really coming to the forefront and it didn't really have a name. You had sponsors or battle buddies or whatever you want to call them. Well, now they've got a, you know, certified peer support specialist. So it's not about the name. And, and unfortunately, a lot of people focus on that. It's about the training that, that you've, that you get really the training the the first thing that it did for me was an, allow me to really know that first I'm not alone and second that everybody's situation is different and that's key just because it worked for you doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone else right and i think even that one step now you know the the journey of Bennett Tanton we're going to we're going to do an opera about it probably right we're going to it's going to be right. this epic you know we'll we'll get the Viking horns or something, but the epic journey of Bennett Tanton, you're up on the ridge now. And if you would have turned around, like, like many of our brothers and sisters do and say, I'm going to be a peer support specialist. If you don't know that everyone's situation is different, if you're not aware of that, right. Um, then, then you're going to try to help someone navigate how you got out of it. And it's not going to be right, right for them. So, no, so it's true. It's, or it's, it's the worst part about, it's not even the peer support is I'm going to start a nonprofit. Which which you and I are both guilty of, um, right? And, and I know that uh, that that I resisted as long as I could until I I didn't find another agency in my area that's doing what we're doing. Um, but yes, you know, I mean, and and it's it's shockingly easy to start a nonprofit. I think it should be more difficult. There should be more barriers <laughs> to entry, um, and that would uh, would cause more people to to think twice about this. Or, um, or to actually, this, and this is one of those things, I think a lot of folks don't get, they're not at the top of the ridgeline where they can get a clear view of what's actually around them. Mm-hmm. So in turn, they there's so many duplication of services, it's actually gross. It's sickening. That, I mean, literally there could be, like, I remember one of my friends saying, Oh, I want to start a nonprofit. And I was like, the first thing you need to do, bro, is check 
what is actually in your area, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do a deep, dark search of that. Not, not like, oh, you know, first page through Google. yellow pages. Right. It doesn't work that way. Because um, unfortunately, advertising and marketing is expensive. Mm-hmm. And uh, the veteran community has a tendency to do it really badly especially veteran nonprofits, right? Because they don't have the money to. Right. Um, and, and we don't and, have the, the skill set and the awareness to be able to do that. We, I mean, it, that's, that's not our background. We're not marketing professionals. I mean, like people you know? can, can poo-poo Wounded Warrior all they want, but the, where they got it right and the reason they're still around, and guess what, folks? Yeah, they fired the, the CEO, Right. But that is still a $300 million charity, mm-hmm. right? And they There's do a, a lot of work yeah, to help and, and, veterans. And people can get pissed all they want. But at the end of the day, things like that don't stick around unless they actually work and help people. Right. And, and you have so, the, 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 big, you know, uh, the big boys in the space. Um, you know, whether you call it too big to fail, or, but, but they're effective, right? You know, they're effective in as much they as they are do. effective enough. Yeah. Like, cause mm-hmm. I am, I, I mean, I do work. I, I haven't now that I moved back whenever uh, I lived in Delaware and some other places and I'm still active here. Um, and it's one of those things, wounded warriors, like one in, in a lot of places, the only game in town. So, right. It, yeah. I mean, what they're doing is working. Uh, and, and then I'm not trying to give them some props. I'm just saying people need to understand that just because you don't, and, and I don't know why you wouldn't like wounded warrior. I, I just don't understand. I, as a, as an, yeah, we can go down that road another time though. But what it comes down to is again, they're still siloed to an extent, mm-hmm. but this is one of those things. Duplication of, of services is rampant. And that happens with peer support as well, uh, unfortunately. In a lot of aspects is what happens is people get it's it's kind of the way of our healthcare. Uh, and that includes mental health. Everybody gets so niched in and they have specialties, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, and that's no different with peer support now. It's starting to head that direction as well. Uh, so th- let me go back to the beginning of the training part, though. So, you know, really what it was that it, it, the biggest things with me were realizing that not, you know, not everyone is the same. Uh, even in the military, you're not all the same as I think everyone knows that, but they try to kind of make everybody that way. Right. But it's still a mindset. So everyone is not the same. The, what worked for you doesn't necessarily work for everyone. It might work for 10% of the people, but the other 90% need a little different coaxing, right? Uh, there's a lot of ethics involved too uh, because, yes, you're peers, uh, but you're not necessarily friends. So right? you received actual training on ethics and boundaries and things like that. Yes, and that is probably one of the biggest issues, and that's with every, a lot of these professions, right, is you have to know when to draw that line. Uh, you can't go have beers together. I mean, I guess in, in essence you could, but you're not 
getting together and barbecuing together as families because it muddies the waters then. And see, and this is how um, working as a clinical mental health provider, as a, a licensed professional, um, how my training, graduate training specifically, but even beyond that, parallels that of, of what the, um, the peer support goes through. Uh, is I had ethics, um, a, a class on ethics in my associate's degree, in my bachelor's degree, uh, bachelor's in psychology, in my postgrad certificate in clinical mental health, and in my graduate program. And so, and these were, were full on ethics courses that I had to take to meet the requirement, you know, for, for my licensure. Um, and so, Maybe I got a lot more in-depth, and of course, a lot of it was repetitive and things like that, but it was beat into us so that the boundaries that I have to hold of confidentiality and, and therapist-client relationship is even stricter than that of a peer support specialist, that but it's correct. also important that the peer support specialist get some understanding of it. So that's a second thing that the guy who turns around off of the ridgeline that goes back in without any formal training and peer support doesn't even know that that's necessary or thinks that maybe I crossed a boundary um, where I'm starting to let guys live in my house. Right. right. Or, right. you know, that, uh, it that happens. Shit will happen. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so ethics training, what other kind of training um, did you go through that you feel made you a more effective peer support specialist? Um, and and really, one of the big things too is just deal, learning how to figure out what is going on with a with a vet, and not and and really figuring out how not to get triggered yourself. You know what I mean? So, um, and I'm trying to think of the training that that you know exactly the name for that would be. Uh, it's basically, I mean, we don't diagnose anything, right? Right. But, but it's an do, assessment. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, it's an I, assessment that, that we have right. to do, <clears throat> but also it's the, the ability to see that this, this is one of the crucial, the most crucial pieces is learning about self-care as well is, yeah, you might be, be in recovery, right? And you might be, uh, on that ridge top, but it's a slippery slope, man, you know, and if you're, if, if you let a veteran drag you down, he'll take you back down to where you started from. Right. Yeah. So it's the skills to be able to deal with that and self-help and knowing when to put those barriers up and knowing when to say, uh, you know, maybe I'm not the right guy to help this vet. Right. So there has to be a little self-preservation there, too. Uh, and that wasn't always clear, but it is now. Uh, but that's because I've gone through numerous trainings on it um, and, and practice. And, and probably you know ignored I mean? it a couple times. Right. You know, oh, taking, absolutely. You know, because, yeah, you, sometimes yeah. you're like, no, I can hold on. Yeah. I can do this. I got this. And you so, know. and this is, this is again, another thing, uh, a couple of things that I've written a, a couple different times uh, on the blog um, about uh, the wounded healer and veteran mental health. I'll link to that post in the show notes. Um, but this is a, a concept that in psychology has been around for almost a century. Um, 
but veterans aren't aware of it because they haven't gone through the training to be made aware of it or, or gone through the classes to be made aware of it. Um, back in uh, psychoanalysis days, uh, Carl Jung identified that the most effective psychiatrists in Vienna, in, in his colleagues that he was seeing there, were addressing problems that they had overcome themselves. Um, and so the ones that had overcome hysteria in their youth and, and you know, they were the ones that are effective at that and so on. Um, and he had in, in, in Young's archetypes, um, in his very famous archetypes, one of the archetypes was the one as the wounded healer. And the most effective wounded healer was one that had healed from their own wounds. Um, the challenge, though, is if you haven't healed from your own wounds, and this is what Young saw in the, uh, in the community, was someone who had not fully healed from their own wounds were even less effective than someone who hadn't experienced it at all. So right. the analogy is, is uh, I can't stop the bleeding on someone unless I first stop the bleeding on myself. Uh, or we always have the, um, the, you know, the used overused, but, you know, put the oxygen mask on, on yourself before you put it on someone else in the airplane and things like that. Um, but, but if, if a veteran is trying to reach down the hill and pull another veteran up the hill, they have to make sure they're in a stable place or they're going to get pulled back down to where that veteran they're trying to help. Correct. Big and time. sometimes, sometimes that veteran they're trying to help is going to climb on their back and use their lack of, of stability, use the, the helper's lack of stability to get to a place of stability themselves and then not turn around. And so now you find yourself back in the pit alone. Yeah. The other, the other good analogy is the swimming, the rescuing someone in, in the water. Uh, if you don't protect yourself and are able to get control of that person, they're going to drown you because they're going to pull They're going to push you under so they can be above the water, which is really the best analogy. So like, you've got to be able to get, you've got to be able to, to either fight them off enough that you can get your arm wrapped around them and get them like, listen, you're okay. You know, and we get trained in that. It's the, that crisis mitigation that listen, you're, you're not alone. You're, this isn't, you know what I mean? The, it's just so it's second nature to me now. So I it's I, I've never really sat down and had to really talk about it that much. Right. But someone who hasn't gone through that training and who don't doesn't have that awareness may say, Well, he's my brother, so I should let him stand on my shoulders. And and I'm so right. sacrificial because <laughs> so it's not, what we do that so that I cool. I should swallow water to be able to save them because, <laughs> you know, I, I'm my shield covers my brother. Um, the reason I was laughing when you said that is is that resonates with me so well. This is back at Bragg in the, the late 90s. We were going through the pre-ranger course as an obstacle course, and uh, right. we got a hand over hand and, and tab yep. the ranger sign, drop, and then you got to drop into the water, right? You know, it's, uh, you know, it, it, guys have gone through that. Uh, and I was one of the, the safety NCOs. I could swim, so I was out in the in the water, and I you know, was there to, to drag anybody out who couldn't. And a buddy of mine, another E5 in the company, um, had done that. You know, he crawled all the way out. You know, he tapped the sign. He, he hung from the, the, the rope there. And then he got down, and then he started floundering. So I went out to him, and that's literally what he did, was he pushed down on my shoulders and kneeled on my shoulders and held me underwater to be able to keep himself above water 
It, it was simply self-preservation. And of course, yeah, they, to, it's not like they want to do it on purpose. No, I had they to punch just... him in the, the groin or something. You know, I just like, oh. yeah, you yeah. Know, and, and, but that's literally what had happened in a very real sense. And, and that's, you know, we're talking about water and we're talking about, you know, elbow in the dude in the neck. When we're talking about heroin addiction, that's huge, right? That's if, if someone drags you back down to a place where you were before, um, or if someone induces a breakdown, a, a, a traumatic break uh, or, or something like that in you, that can be dangerous, like life-threatening to you, just like um, uh, drowning can be life-threatening. And For again, sure. without the training and without that awareness, then that's likely or, or possible going to happen. And so and, that's and one it. of the things I want to bring up, though, is that it's not – it just has no correlation on how tough you are. It says no correlation on how cool you are or tough or, or uh, you know what I mean? We get caught up in this machismo kind of thing of suck it up, buttercup, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And sometimes you just can't. And when it comes down to it, this is why peer support specifically is important is because we've been to the point where we were like, yeah, I'm sucking it up, but I just can't. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. it, and unless you've gone through that, you don't know the experience. So I, I this is one of the things that I always caution people is they're like, oh, you're all just a bunch of pussies. Like, how often do we see that? Mm-hmm. Where you're just a bunch of weak pussies. Suck it up. Right? Um, well, that person obviously can or either they're hiding that they're in pain or their coping mechanisms are just better or just because, you know, the way that one instance is what I really like under people to understand is that when we talk about different strokes for different folks, this is the epitome of that. A situation can, can hit one person totally different than another. It just, it, that's just the way it is. And there's no rhyme or reason. It's just the way we're wired individually. So and, and, and I, I always I, like to put that disclaimer out there. It's like, yeah, you can sit here and you can judge the, the, the mental health professionals and the shrinks and whatever you want to call them. But you either have problems or you don't. There's a lot of that, right? Um, I, I'm not explaining this very well, but it's one of those things. Like I just, I know guys that have been through the same experiences that I have and they literally don't have any issues, none, zero. Right. And, and, and that's something that, um, and, and there's all kind of different factors, um, uh, behind that, you know, our, our upbringing, um, you know, resiliency and just the way that we describe things to ourselves. Um, but, but any veterans listen to this one way, um, that, that I can maybe help explain it or, or give you some better awareness is that uh, go talk to somebody that was in your fire team or in your truck in probably one of the most significant combat situations that you went through, right? Go talk to that person and explain. This is the person that was sitting right next to you or right behind you and explain to them your point of view of what happened in that time, in that point of time, that moment, and then listen to theirs and you're likely going to find a totally different scenario. And this is why like groups like Eddie's 444 group Mm -hmm. are so therapeutic because you hear the guy's stories, everybody's 
Right. Right. And and, so, and, so, and, it, and the reason I bring this up is because too often I hear on social media and, and just in my work in general, literally guys that are like, I don't understand what everybody's belly aching about. No, you don't understand, but you need to. So, so what I try to teach guys too is to have some sort of compassion. Mm-hmm. Get the military, get all the military bullshit out of your head and have a little compassion because this person, regardless of being a, a human being, is your brother or sister, mm-hmm. right? So stop being such a selfish asshole and look at perspectives from someone else's view. And that's part of the issue that we have, especially in the veteran community, is you have all these alphas, a lot of which have not had any issues, right? Mm-hmm. Or they're hiding it. It's the stigma or of self of self disclosure. Right? Going back, going back, maybe to the um, the analogy that you went through. You know, crossing the ravine and and you know in the bottom of the the ravine, and you don't know where you're at, and then finally you make the high ground. Their ravine to them might have been like the Grand Canyon, but it was really like a ditch compared to somebody else's. Right, like whatever they went through, whatever challenges they're having. Are, are, are minuscule compared to someone else. You know, you think back to the conceptualization, the, the eight different, um, uh, the eight different sides uh, of a- aspects of veteran mental health, that they may have been dealing with one or maybe two of those, but someone else may be dealing with six or all eight of those. And, Correct. And so the person who only dealt with two of them without the actual peer support training may come through and said, oh, this is what I did to overcome my challenges and this is what you need to do to overcome yours. And that goes back to using the right tool for the right Correct. problem. It comes down to, yes, not every, like, like we've said before, not every uh, problem needs to be fixed with a hammer. Not every problem needs to be fixed with a saw. You know, you've got to have a whole tool belt to fix this stuff. So, yeah. So and, and, going and that back, goes back go, well, go that's. Ahead. But that's the thing as far as peer support is it's another tool in the mental health field that is emerging into the mental health field, especially with veteran mental health, that that can be effective. Uh, one question I'm curious is, have you had any pushback from clinical mental health professionals, my colleagues, right? Have you gotten any um, resistance from, quote unquote, traditional therapists and psychologists about the work that you do. Yes, because they, they're uneducated about it. That's why. Mm-hmm. That's what it really comes down to. Is they, they see it a lot of times as duplication of services mm-hmm. until uh, I always, if I ever run into barriers with mental health professionals, I'm always like, well, why don't you come be a fly on the wall and sit in on a session that I have with a veteran and see why it's different? Um, and one of the biggest differences is, and, and this comes down to your licensure too, uh, it comes down to, I can talk to a veteran legally different than, than you can. I don't have the same amount of barriers, uh, to professional ethics and, and, and things that, that a vet, that a, like a psychologist would have or a licensed clinical mental health counselor would have right um 
I tell veterans every day, I'm like, dude, I don't know. I I just don't have to be as politically correct about it, I guess is what it comes down to. So let me, let me give you an example. If I am working with a veteran, they're in a relationship that I can see that is probably not the best for them, that it's, it's, um, you know, codependent or or maybe mutually destructive or, or just, um, you know, brother, why'd you marry a stripper? You know, I mean, that's, it's, you know, right. (laughs) Like, um, but, but I, as a mental health professional, I'm non-judgmental. I'm not, I don't tell them, look, dude, you need to, you know, I, and, and I specifically don't, and this is something even in this past week in some of the veterans that I've worked with, I'm not going to tell them this is what you need to do. Um, when I, when I work with a veteran, this is maybe me personally and, and some of the other clinicians, I'm not an answering machine, right? I'm not something where you, you ask me a question. I give you the answer. I help a veteran find that answer within themselves. It's more of a, a guide, a coach, a, a, you know, and, and so there's therapeutic techniques that I do that I'm not going to come out and say, you probably should just, you know, get out of that situation. How would you as do where, that though? Is where I, <laughs> where I can be like, wow, that doesn't sound like it's the best situation for you to be in. You know what I mean? I can literally just come out and say that. Dude, you need um, to leave the chick. I mean, is that you know? I mean, is that kind of? The- I mean, and and there's there's some. I, I like to get them to come to that conclusion themselves. But if mm-hmm. I have to, but I literally talk to guys like we're talking in the smoke pit. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I'll be like, man, that doesn't sound like a healthy relationship. You know, and uh, they'll be like, and sometimes they'll get pissed, and I'll just be like, well, you know. You're coming to me to get my opinion, you know, to, to get my take on this. And uh, I think that's what it is, is our, as, as a peer support, our opinion does matter. Um, it's because we're allowed to be ourselves, I think, is well, one and- of the big aspects. Do you understand what I mean? No, I do. How there, there, there is a and, and that might be hard to understand for somebody looking from the outside in. Um at like what the hell's the difference between like a mental health counselor and a peer support specialist and, and understanding that there's just, there's lines that as a counselor, you can't cross. Sure. I think another distinction though, Bennett is, is one that, um, they see me, clients see me as a professional. They would see me as someone who, you know, I've got whatever the papers on the walls or things like that, but they see me, um, as a skilled professional that's sort of maybe a tier above them. That's, that's obviously not, you know, what I try to portray, but, but there is that, right. You know, and we're and, and we talked about it. I think you and I talked about it even on the last, uh, the capstone episode was that, you know, we're kind of people with degrees are sort of our superiors, not, not in a, uh, an ego sense, but just like in the literal sense, they were our, our leaders in the military. Yeah. Well, Whereas, it's perceptions reality right. too. I mean, and, 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 so, and the perception is, is that because you have the degree, yeah. you're the S, you're the SME, right? Right. And and so it's like, um, you know, people call me doc, like they call a medic doc. They know that a medic is not a, a, an MD, right? You know, a medic is not going to perform surgery, a medic, but they still call the medic doc. And my veterans call me doc, even though no matter how many times I say I'm not a doctor, I don't have a PhD. They're like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, just kind of have to go with it. <laughs> but 
but a peer support a, a peer support specialist is the person standing next to them. This is somebody that I'm on the same level with. Um, they're not a level above me. They're on the same level as me, and that's a different type of barrier that can help that that the peer support specialist can help break down to get them to the mental health professional. Right. And and what I like to do, I, I guess my biggest thing is I like to give vets options, but not too many options that they're overwhelmed. So that's just a vet a Jedi mind trick though. It's just kind of like you kind of give people, you know, here's this organization or here, here's what we can do. We can go do this. We can go do this and we can go do this, but I'm going to be with you the whole time. Mm-hmm. So what, what do you want to do to so get yourself like, down the path? You know, um, you're literally going, a guide. Yeah. But it's, but it's, but it's also, you have the, the training and, and the inclination to, to help walk people through that. Um, like you said, to be able to identify what I'm looking at is PTSD versus substance abuse or moral injury or whatever. But again, it's more of that, okay, we're going to the hospital. Do you want to take your coat or do you want to take your hat? Cause I'll carry the other one, but whichever one I'm going to carry, you're going to carry, but we're still going to go to the hospital. Right. I mean, correct. It's, correct. It's, and it's, in, it's, it's, it's very, uh, smoke and mirrors. A lot of it just, you know, it just is, but, but that's training. That's what I had to do. Because I tried it without the training and it was a miserable failure. You know what I mean? Uh, and, and just trying to help people up. Sometimes you get drugged back down, you get, you know, we've used all the analogies. Um, but now it's kind of like, here's my hand. Uh, it's, it's very much, very much. I can lead you. I'll lead a horse to water, but I still can't make you drink. Right. You've got to do that, but there's tricks and, 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 and things that we can do that we, we are taught. And I can't give you any off the top of my head. I don't know how to really, um, that will help you drink. Yeah. And it's not just, here's, it's like, you don't have to drink the water, but, but here, let me fill your canteen. Let me fill your canteen the first time. Here's how you do it. Yeah. And It's, it's, it's the teaching people to fish aspect it's the and and let me help you understand how much it sucks for you to be thirsty and then you get to make the choice to go ahead and drink i mean you can either sit here and die of dehydration where the water is right here and the choices the, the 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 skills you can build the skills to be able to drink this water yourself um or you can choose not to and and I'm going to let you understand, and, and not to be able to say, you know, I think we're making it sound like a combination of seer school and uh, you know and, and brainwashing, um, but it's not that. It's it's the it's helping veterans understand that you know if your life is sucking, there are options out there, and this is what we can do for you. Right, exactly. And and I my whole purpose here is to put myself out of a job. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and that, and that's my focus is to get guys and gals well enough that they don't need me. Um, I don't want long-term clients. I want, <laughs> I want to help you and I want you to move on. And, uh, I think and that's, that's, and that's a mentality. That's and, a mentality and, that's different too. And I think, and, and I'm similar in that way as far as therapy. And, and I know that Jeff, when he was on my show, had said the same thing, that after six months of working with his guy that he finally connected with, he was like, look, you know everything that, that I have to teach you and you're, and you're using the skills, um, you know, and, and, and we can be done, basically. 
Um, and, and so therapy is not designed to be Freudian psychotherapy where you're on the couch for years and not years forever. and years, not forever. you know, and that's where a lot of people think that as soon as I walk into this door of the therapist, that I'm going to be stuck there. Um, and, and even then that's a misconception. Um, but, but a lot of it has to do with the awareness. And another thing that I like that, that you do and that we've talked about before is you have no problem connecting them with the mental health professional to say, look, you need more than what I can provide. Um, just like um, uh, I uh, <laughs> honestly, when I was in Iraq, I tore a tendon in my foot and I went to our local, you know, my, my company's medic and I said, hey, what is he? He's like, yeah, it's a pretty bad sprained ankle. Um, I really should have gone to the aid station because I tore those right, tendons. Right. And, <laughs> but, but I listened to the medic and the medic said, hey, you know, don't worry, Sarge, I'll give you a couple of crutches and, and uh, you know, here's some Percocet and you're on your way. And here I am with a purple foot for a week and a half. And, um, and, and I did not go to the proper level of treatment that I should have. Uh, and honestly, it led to the injury that I had in 2012 uh, because of right. um, improperly healed tendons and blah, blah, blah. And so you don't have a problem with saying this, what I'm seeing in front of me is beyond what I have the skill to be able to treat. Go see this next person. Oh, for sure. Uh, it, because again, uh, a licensed mental health professional is just another tool. I mean, I've gone through th extensive therapy Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going through that now because I don't need to. Right. Now, I'm still in touch with the guy, you know, my therapist, and I still call him my therapist, <laughs> you know, because uh, I could call him at any moment because it's not saying you're out of the woods just because, you know, the mental health issues are not something that you're ever really cured of, per se. Mm -hmm. right. um, so it's just a management thing. Uh, and it's, you know, sometimes you can cure it. It just depends on what the causation is, uh, of all of it. But, but anyway, um, no, I, I am so, I look at it as a system and if you can use it to your advantage to get well, then that's what you should do. And licensed mental health professionals have their place just as even like psychiatrists with medications, some people need to take medication mm -hmm. to say medication is no good and that I'm on 13 different medications and blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe you do really need one of those, or maybe you need to be on this medication for the next year and a half to get you to the top of that ridge mm -hmm. as a tool instead of using it as the end all, like this is going to cure me. I, I think what, it, what we have is a is a view of our healthcare system as the answer, not as a way to help us get better. I think that people view it as they're going to tell me exactly what to do, and they and what they do is that they shirk all responsibility from themselves to the healthcare system to make themselves well. Uh, and, and that's, that's a viewpoint that's so flawed. Um, it, but it's supported by the healthcare system because I was going to say that they're the only game, they're the yeah. only game in town. And that's the same um, thing with my industry or, or you know, in just in general to say, yes, we are the answer, right? So you believe we're the answer and we believe we're the answer. 
Um, whereas if that agency is not given to the veteran uh, to be able to find that self-supporting in themselves, um, it's not going to be as effective. Right. And no, I'm not saying the VA doesn't have flaws. Okay. But I am saying that the majority of the people there want to help you. I think that people in turn, though, they go there and they expect, they're like, well, I hear all the time, well, you're the professional. Why don't you tell me? Mm-hmm. No, this is a two way street, man. This isn't, you know, when people say that to me, I'm like, bro, I'm not here to hold your hand. I'm here to help you. Right. So, I, it's not my responsibility to make you well. It's your responsibility to make you well. You know, that's I'm something just a tool that, uh, for you to use. That's an idea that uh, that that maybe I would respond to that. Is said when you were in the military, did you say that to your squad leader? Did right, you say exactly. that to your platoon sergeant? You're the leader. Lead me, right? You know, no, it's right. you wouldn't. You know, it's it's that's not. But people, you know, and yes, it's not to say that it's, uh, it's you know, freaking lazy, is what there, it is, is. A, a lot of times. And and it's just because some people are so fed, you know, who knows? There's a litany of reasons why people would do that. But I find that to be very habitual. Uh, And and if they're not able to get well or if they can't get answers, they they give up or they're always, oh, I'll just live this fucked up life and the VA can go, you know, shit in a hat and they suck and yada, yada, yada. Well, you know, were, were you an active participant in your recovery? Were you an active participant in making yourself healthier? Right. So a, a since, lot of times yeah. the answer there is, is no. When, so. you, when you're down there in the pit, when you're down there in the ravine and, and you're the super grenade and you're going to sit there because someone did not come pick me up and carry me to the top of the ridge line. That's what right. they're looking for. Yeah, it's it's there's that other story. Like we've got your story, the starving, starving at the feast, the parable of military mm-hmm. transition, right? Um, well, the 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 one that I've always have used is that the soldier that's stuck in the hole, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. they're stuck in the hole. The senior NCO comes by, throws him a shovel, and says, you know, <laughs> you know, work it work it out there, soldier. Uh, but the soldier then, you know couldn't suck it up and drive on and actually ended up digging the hole deeper. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause the, the NCO threw him a shovel. Um, so then the officer comes by and, and says, you know, he's like, well, use the tools that the senior NCO gave you <laughs> and threw him a bucket, you know, <laughs> but the soldier then using the tools, the senior NCO and the officer gave him dug the hole deeper and filled the bucket. So, now he's even deeper in, you know. So yeah, then there's the psychiatrist that gave him some drugs, and this will take away the pain, but you're still in the freaking hole, right? Mm-hmm. So then the psychologist comes by, and they talk, and they talk, and he feels better, comes back next week, but he's still in the hole, mm-hmm. right? Um, and thanks him and says, well, I have to go now. So <laughs> I'll oh, say it. Time is up. And then, and, and then the – the Bible, you know, the priest comes by and he's like, oh, I'll say a prayer for you. But he's still in a hole. So then finally a, a soldier, uh, another soldier comes sliding by and jumps in the hole with him. And he's like, what What the hell are you doing? You know, we're stuck in the hole together now. He's like, uh, 
you know, yeah, we are, but guess what? Come down. It's okay. I've been here before and I know how to get out. That's what a peer support specialist is. Right. And, and that goes to, and, and, and I'd sent you the, the link to that, uh, the starving at the feast. And I know Eddie has, um, his, his sort of used the analogy of, of a veteran going to the grocery store um, and, and it's all there, but they don't know how to shop. But, and I'll link to the starving at the feast um, uh, in the show notes as well. But it's, it's this story is basically this guy comes out um, and uh, somebody tries to connect him with the VA. He says, no, thank you. But he's got all of these resources and he gets frustrated because of the barriers that exist. And he gets, he gets uh, overwhelmed because of the many choices, like you were saying. Um, and, and then I abruptly end the story uh, because, uh, you know, this is, this is the point that I was trying to make, but, uh, the, the end of the story says the traveler stood in the middle of the square, overwhelmed by choice and frustrated by obstacles and began to starve in the middle of a vast feast. And that's where veterans are at right now with the abundance of resources, all the nonprofits, all the programs, everything else. I believe that's where the veteran is at right now if they don't have support. So how do you see What's the next chapter of that story? So literally it's, he should have, and this is what I implore every veteran to do is if they're struggling, you have to find help. And and you know what? Sooner or later you're going to, if you become active in your recovery, because that's what I'll call it in your recovery. If you become active in it and a participant, you will find help. You will find the help that you need. You just have to be able to say, yes, this is not, this is not an easy road, but you have to be able to discern what's good and what's bad. And we all know these answers. Let's be honest. (laughs) We all know the difference between, you know, the guy who wants to shyst us between the guy who wants to actually help us. We all know. That doesn't mean that we don't won't learn that lesson that you know you're going to deal with somebody that's going to screw you over because you are, and that's part but of going to, through the pit. That's yeah, part of the, that's part of digging yourself out of that hole. You have to be able to move on. Uh, one of the one of the biggest issues, and this is, uh, it's the lack of emotional intelligence of people getting out of the military. Regardless of when or how long they were in, unfortunately, most people, this is a theory that I subscribe to, if you go in at 18, when you get out at 22, you're still emotionally more than likely an 18-year-old. What do you think about that? I do. I mean, and there's a a point because um, there's – you come in with what you come in with, but then you are trained in the culture of the military. So you learn to think a different way. Right. Um, and so not only are you, and, and I don't want to say, I mean, think I'm a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy, right? You know, that's, that's what I, that's what an 18 year old wears. You wear the, the clothes sort of arrested development that you went into the military with. Right. Because, but, but now, but now you're 40. Right. But so, and, and, so, so, so yeah, it's, it's okay when you're 18 to, to wear that, let's say, you know what I mean? Yeah. But when you get out and you go, I mean, I've literally seen guys go in at 18, they come out, they're Sergeant major, right? They get out and they literally, the next thing I know, they've got 
gauges in their ears, nose rings, this, that, and the other thing, because they weren't able to do that for the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Or, and you know, people I mean, are like, dude, you're 40 years old. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> right. And, and so but there is I see there, that every day. Yeah, there is a lot of that. But um, uh, another thing that I'd recommend listeners to to check out is is back in uh, episode 17 of the Headspace and Timing podcast, I had a conversation with Tony Williams. He's another uh, veteran like myself who went on to be a, a clinical mental health counselor. And Tony talks about how in the military, emotion is really removed from it. The military tries to make everything to be cognitive and to be rational. And so they really squeeze the emotion out of it. You know, if you have yeah, the choice exactly. between it's all suppressed, right. And, and so, you know, if it's the accomplishment of the mission and the welfare of the soldier, if one of those is more important, you're always going to choose the mission to the detriment of the welfare of the soldier, because that's what ultimately needs to happen. And so Tony's explanation of that, of, you know, that's what we do in the military is we squeeze the emotion out of the situation. And then that's how we, we learn how to operate in the world. So not only are we stuck in the manner of operating when we came in the military, we then are trained to reduce emotion or suppress emotion even more. And now you come out uh, and, and you don't know what to do. And, and so I and think you're thrown entire... into a world that's almost run exclusively on emotion. Right. And I think that's you're you're absolutely right. It's totally valid. So I, I, I look at so what I what I implore veterans to do is find a and I, I guess you could call him a mentor or somebody that's walked the path. Right. Whether it's within an organization uh, don't think that you can do this alone because your transition will be hard, whether or not you're by yourself or with, with others of like mind and skills and everything else. I implore people to at least stay in contact with something that has to do with like that's veteran specific, right? Whether it's wounded warrior project or even like the legion or, uh, you know, student, if you want to go to school, become a member of the Student Veterans of America chapter on your campus, right. right? The Student Veterans Club. Like, you need to remain active with people that you have been with for the last four to 20 years. So, three to 20 you, years. Yeah. Because if, if, think- if you make a clean break, you're going to be completely lost with no tribe, no right. whatever. And, and you're going to, you're going to, it's going to suck. And if you self-force the isolation, then you're going to believe that isolation exists. Of course, everybody's like, well, I want to get back in the military. You did it. Eddie said that he, you know, was about to do it, you know, about going back in. I did it. Um, I totally did it. Um, To be able to say, well, I'm going to go back to the place where everybody knows my name. I'm going to go back to, because what I need, this, this camaraderie, this tribe, this group, this connection is, does not exist in this outside world. And it does. I know it does because I've created one for myself. You know it does because you've created one for yourself. And and that's the thing is if you self-force isolation, then isolation is what you're going to get and it's all what you're going to believe. And the other and, thing that I implore folks to do is to really, while they're in, and this is with active duty guys and gals, is to really don't isolate yourself just within the military. Become part of like social groups. And I know with all the time that you've got (laughs) to to be able to do this, but 
then stay stay actively engaged with people that you grew up with at home with friends that are at home make sure you stay actively engaged with your family make sure that you engage with people that are outside of the military scope and you'll be better for it when you come back because there is a delineating you're there or you're not you know i mean it, it, there really is a the military is such a different mechanism and lifestyle and that's what it is cuz you literally could self isolate on a base and never come off right oh yeah no right. i mean that's the and, the, and everything that's where... everything that you have is there you don't need to go out in town no nope. and that's by design so and i you know i saw that when i was stationed in germany there were there were guys that that lived on the caserne or on the 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 barracks or whatever that never went out on the economy because everything they needed was there. The the class six was there. The bowling alley was there. The movie theater was there. The 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 NCO club was there. Everything was there, and they never went familiar. out. And they never tried to learn German or go downtown or, or try to figure out you know culture or things like that. Um, and then they wasted a huge opportunity. But even that mentorship piece, and, and, and I've written about this before, mentorship was a huge aspect of our military career. It needs to continue to be that um, in our post-military life. And, and so to bring it back around to the, the, the parable of the starving at the feast, is that guy who's standing, you know, just, just overwhelmed, looking around and finding a peer support specialist, somebody that has, okay, maybe they were given the spinning compass and the, the map with no legend, but they figured out how to use their compass and they figured out how to read the map and they're willing to teach you how to read the map. And so find somebody that will come up alongside you, say, bro, let me help you navigate this chaos because I tried to do it on my own and it sucked. Let me help you. This is who you need to go to and, and, and help Remove some of that frustration and narrow down some of that choice to be able to provide what you need. And right. that's where I think peer support specialists come into play. I, I would completely agree. Yep. Well, this has been a good talk, Bennett. Um, and, and I think uh, I think that it really does advance um, maybe a lot of people's understanding. Again, as you know, the the goal for this program is not just to help veterans understand more about mental health, but understand other mental health providers help other mental health providers understand um, how a veteran thinks, feels, and, and operates. And, and I firmly believe that there is a benefit to peer support. I see you talking about how you, how you describe um, peer support specialists. I see peer support specialists as paramedics to an emergency room doc. Right, Correct. the paramedic is going to be the one there. There's the first one on scene. They're the, the the person that they have an advanced level of training, an advanced level of skill beyond just the former, you know, the regular first aid. But they're also not the person that you ultimately need to end up to see. That they're going to be the ones that are going to stabilize, identify what's going on, and get you to the person that you need help. And 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 I think that's a huge component that if emergency room doctors just sat in the emergency room and waited for people who are hurt to come to them, they would not have, they wouldn't be as busy as they are. They need the people that are going to be there to help and, and bring them in. And that's where I see peer support working as a mental health professional um, in, in the work that I do. Yep. And I concur. I, I look at them too as another way as like a triage nurse to an extent. 
yeah. you know, the paramedic triage type thing. If you come into a place, they're the triage. And that's exactly how it should be approached and, as well. Yeah. So. And, and I, you know, I don't go out into the community and, and seek and, you know, it, it, but peer support specialists, again, it's that, it's that place of, of each of us have our roles in addressing veteran mental health. I cannot be, and, and I've seen it. I, I work, uh, as, as you know, and, and listeners know, I work with the local veterans court. Uh, we have veteran mentors as part of our court program. They're affected because they can do things that I can't do. I'm not going Correct. to pick guys up from jail at midnight on a, on a Saturday. That's, that's not my role. Um, but the veteran mentors can do that kind of thing. They, they have those parameters set up. And so I would not be as effective as a therapist if it were not for the, the peer support, the veteran mentors that are there helping the veteran, encouraging the veteran, say, look, dude, you need to get into therapy or you need to talk to Dwayne or have you told Dwayne about this or things like that. At the same time, though, the veteran mentors would not be as effective without that backside support. If they, if, if I'm, I'm imploring you, any mentors uh, who are out there who are listening to this, if you think you're the last line of defense, there's something you're, wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> yeah, because because you're going to keep running into a brick wall. Yeah, and get burnt out. Any last Absolutely. thoughts? Absolutely. Any last? No, thoughts, I Benny? actually don't. I think it kind of said it all. Sounds good. Well, folks, thanks again for uh, taking the time to listen uh, to this episode of Headspace and Time. You can make sure to uh, get the show notes on uh, changerpov.com and veteranmentalhealth.com. Look forward to talking to you next week. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone, weeds overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-created mini-me's Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic tendency, embrace my ability so there you have it, folks. Another episode of Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to changing your perspective on veteran mental health. I'd like to thank Doc Todd for giving us permission to use the track Not Alone from his amazing album, Combat Medicine. Doc's a guy who's trying to bring the discussions about veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light, and you need to check him out. Head over to therealdoctod.com to purchase the album and support the cause. You're not alone, veterans. Ever. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-created enemies Broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic tendency, embrace my ability Yeah,
you guys. Take those bottles out, dog, and pour them in the sink. Take the needles out your arm and the gun away from your forehead. It's time, man. You've been through enough pain. Stand up. It's time to stand back up. All my veterans, man, Army, Marine Corps, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard. Get up, you know. Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.